joy to be able to welcome each one of you here to our services at Del Rado on this beautiful Lord's Day. We are honored that you've come our way. It uh, looks like we've got a good number who are here today, and we're so thankful for that. And it's always a joy, each and every service, to be able to welcome guests. And this morning was no different. We have several who are visiting with us today, and we are truly, truly honored that you're here And I hope you won't get away too quickly, but give us a chance to express our appreciation to you for your presence. And we hope that you'll come back, and we hope that you'll be with us anytime that you have an opportunity. I just can't help but be drawn back there to little Webb again. He's back with us for the second Sunday in a row, I see. And so uh, that is always encouraging, too. We're just so glad you're here this morning. have some good news to pass along to you today. Uh, Mike and Jacob Brooks uh, are going to be placing their membership with us. Uh, uh, These are two men that you'll want to meet. Jacob is here today. Mike's not able to. I'm going to ask him to stand. They're always sitting by the Spiros there. And so uh, welcome to Jacob. And uh, if you'll see uh, Jacob tonight and later on, you'll notice Mike here as well. So be sure and give them a warm, warm welcome. You know, the Minor Prophets, I believe, are books that can be extremely helpful to each of us. But I don't know of any book in the entire Old Testament that is more interesting than the book of Jonah. It's a book that's so very brief, it's just 48 verses long, But it's a book that is extremely practical for us and down to earth. There's so many things that I think we can learn from this part of God's word that we can apply to our lives in a very practical way. I'm not going to go this morning into a history of the setting of this book. I do want to say, however, that the book takes place at a time when the nation of Israel was in the process of being taken by Assyria into captivity. And keep in mind that Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And we need to realize this morning that Jonah had been given a charge. He had been given a command by God to go to Nineveh. And Jonah was one that fully and completely and wholeheartedly rejected this command that God gave him. Now, I think it's true that even in the day in which we live, that many people refuse to accept the obligations that God has placed upon their shoulders. I think that's even true in the Lord's church. There are some today that that just simply want to shun responsibility to Some people today kind of drifting along, getting by day, day by day is sufficient, that's good enough. And I realize as we look throughout the Bible, there are many people that we can read about who just simply refused to do what God said. But I really don't know of a greater example of someone's outright refusal to do exactly what God said, I can't find a greater example than what we find here in the book of Jonah. 
Now, what I want us to do for the next few minutes is I want to talk about a few practical applications from the book of Jonah, from this inspired part of God's Word. Now, just briefly, may I say that Jonah was commanded by God, if you look at Jonah chapter 1 and verse 2, to go to Nineveh and to cry against this great city. And you put yourself in Jonah's place today and and you can just imagine his reaction. You know, surely this must be some kind of mistake. How in the name of reason could God expect one lone prophet by himself to go to one of the largest cities in the entire world and preach to them? And we need to realize this morning that Nineveh was, in fact, a great city. We're told that about 600,000 people lived in the city of Nineveh. The distance around this city was 60 miles. The streets inside this city were some 20 miles long. Probably about as close from here to Prattville. The walls of this city were a hundred feet high. Put ten regulation basketball goals on top of one another. That's a pretty high wall. And so what I want you to understand is that this was indeed a great city. But that's not the worst part of it. The worst part of this was that Jonah simply did not want to go. If the city of Nineveh was ever going to change, Jonah did not want to have anything at all to do with it. He no doubt wanted to see that city destroyed by Jehovah God because after all, they were the enemy of his nation, Israel. Now this morning, I want to point out some things that I believe we can apply to our lives that have to do with the man Jonah himself, not so much with his message and not so much with the story itself. I think there's a lot of things from this individual that we can learn and apply to our lives in 2013 that will help us to be more godlike, that will challenge us to meet the things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. And we need to realize that even though Jonah was a prophet of God, even being a prophet, he still had some problems. In fact, Jonah had a major problem with the command and the instruction that God gave him. Now, in the first place this morning... Jonah simply did not wish to go to Nineveh at all. But instead, Jonah went in the opposite direction. Now, I would imagine if Jonah had been living in our day and time, he would have just simply submitted his letter of resignation. He would have just simply said, well, I'm going to quit. Now, it's always easier to quit, isn't it, than it is to take on a challenge. A lot of times... I'm afraid as parents, we make a mistake with our children. 
You know, when they start something, maybe they start a season of baseball or basketball or softball, and maybe they get out on the practice field after they sign up and they don't like it, and so we let them quit. In my opinion, that can be a mistake. You know, if you start something, you need to finish it. And maybe the next season you don't have to play, but you started out this season and you're going to finish what you started. And, you know, in our culture, in our society today, many times the message is given, it's a whole lot easier just to give up. It's a whole lot easier, you know, just to quit than it is to go ahead and and take a challenge head on and try to get the job done. It's like our, our kids at Kids Sing. You know, they say, I will do my best, I will never give up, and let God take care of the rest. And in the case of working for the Lord, many times it's a lot easier to quit than it is to accept and to face a challenge that God has given us to do. You know, I believe Jonah here had a problem with pride. Now, that's true that Nineveh was a great city. In fact, it was the capital city of the most powerful nation on the earth at this time. But Jonah had a problem with pride. He did not want to go to Nineveh because to do so would be very humiliating. He would be trying to get his enemies to change their ways. And that's the last thing he desired to do. But I wonder today how many people fail to do what God says to do because of pride. Now we know from Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 17 that God hates a proud look. And you stop and think about pride and the effect that it can have on individuals. I think about Diotrephes over in 3 John 9. Here was a man that no doubt could have had a tremendous influence for good in the church of our Lord. But John said in 3 John 9, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence, did not receive us. No doubt here was an individual that was greatly troubled with pride. We know that God resists the proud. The Bible says in James 4 and verse 6, but he gives grace to the humble. And if we are filled with pride, then naturally we're going to want to do what we desire instead of what God desires. And I think if Jonah had been humble. And he possessed the humility that he should have possessed when God gave this command. Jonah would have simply said, speak, Lord. Your servant here is just like Samuel and his attitude. But Jonah was proud. And that pride kept him from doing what God wanted him to do. And I'm afraid if we're not really careful, there's a lot of people in the church and even out of the church that are going to be kept from following God and becoming a Christian and making their lives right with God simply because they're too proud to submit to God's will and God's way. I think another thing we can learn from Jonah as a man that would apply to us in a practical way is Jonah 
had a false concept of the God of heaven. Now, obviously, Jonah thought that that he could say no to what God required, and that simply was going to be the end of it. But being a prophet, Jonah should have realized, Jonah should have understood that when God gives a command, there's no option but to obey that command. Moses had to learn that lesson as well. When God gives a command, regardless of who we are, God expects us to be obedient. But also, in the third place, I might point out too that Jonah, like us sometimes, if we're not careful, had a problem with the omnipresence of God. If you look at Jonah 1 in verse 3, you find there that Jonah paid the fare, he boarded the ship, and he began to sail toward Tarsus. Now, Jonah must have felt like here, you know, if I can get on this ship, and if I can travel in the opposite direction, somehow I'm going to be able to get away from God. But you see, Jonah forgot that every place in the world is a place where God is. There is simply no way that we can get away from God. Isn't it ridiculous that Jonah perhaps thought somehow, some way, that God would not be in Tarsus? But I wonder sometimes if that's not the way we feel. You know, when we're here at church among our brethren, or when we're with our families and when we're with good people that share our convictions, when our young people, for example, are, are with other like-minded young people in the church, maybe at exposure and other youth outings and retreats, you know, it's easy to do what's right when we're around people that also want to do what's right. But you see, the pressure comes when We get around the people in the world that don't share our convictions. They don't share our beliefs. And many times we maybe feel like that that we have to kind of go along with the crowd, if you please. And it's a lot more difficult and more challenging for us to do what's right when we're around folks that don't share our convictions. Or maybe, you know, we get away on vacation and we get away from uh, our brethren, maybe away from our parents. And sometimes if we're not careful, we think we're away from God as well. You know, the psalmist said in Psalms 139 and verse 7, Whither shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yes, the darkness hides not from you. But the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike unto you. 
You see, we don't need to make the same mistake that Jonah made. Let's not feel that because of darkness or because of distance that we can get away from God and we can hide from God. Let's realize that God is always there. You know, when you think about this for just a moment, it's certainly going to be a lot easier to avoid sexual immorality and to avoid situations where I place myself in a compromising situation if I'm always aware that God is watching. It's going to be a lot more difficult to lie about somebody or to gossip about somebody or maybe to, 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 to take something that doesn't belong to me. It's going to be a lot more difficult to do those kinds of things if I'm always constantly aware that God is watching. My parents may not know. My best friends in this world may not know. Nobody may know. But the one who matters the most always knows. And if we'll always keep before our minds the idea that God is omnipresent, that he's always watching, No matter where we go, no matter if we think that we're away from anybody and anything, we need to learn from Jonah that we cannot escape the presence of an omnipresent God. I also wonder, though, if Jonah perhaps didn't think that maybe he could just pay his money and then avoid responsibility. You'll observe there in the book of Jonah how he went down, he paid his fare, bought his ticket, he got on a ship to leave the presence of God. I wonder sometimes, though, if there might be those in the Lord's church who may feel like, you know, if I give my money on Sunday morning like I should, and maybe attend even some services of the Lord's church, that, you know, somehow the giving of that money is going to relieve me of my obligations. You know, that if we can just give of our money, that we don't have to really give of our time or our talents or our efforts in the work of the Lord. But folks, there's no amount of money that can substitute for genuine sincerity and service in the kingdom of God. For example, there's no amount of money that a person can give to get somebody else to do your evangelism for you. There's no amount of money that you can give for someone else to fulfill your obligations that you have to the Lord and his church. And so let's learn from Jonah that, you know, just because, you know, we give of our money sometimes, that doesn't relieve us from the personal obligations and duties that we have to serve the Lord in a faithful way. And I think Jonah also had a problem in that he was actually afraid that he might succeed. In fact, the very last thing that Jonah desired was for Nineveh to repent. Now you think, how could somebody feel that way? But Jonah felt that way. 
They were the enemies of his own nation. They were the ones who were in the process of taking Israel into captivity. And he simply couldn't stand the thought of these individuals changing their lives. Now, I really don't believe that any of us feel that way to that extreme today. I just don't think that we feel that way to that extreme at all. But I do know that in some congregations today in our brotherhood that people have become very content. In a lot of places today, there's not that desire to to launch out and to do more and more for the Lord, to do more in the area of trying to contact other people and reach out to the lost and try to reach our friends and reach our neighbors. There are some places that one can worship today where folks in those churches really want to keep the membership just like it is. You know, the attitude is, you know, we'll be a lot better off if we can just kind of keep the status quo. But folks, we need to always have the attitude that we're going to influence as many people as we can for the cause of Christ. We need to try, as the Lord said, when David was anointed king over Israel, we don't need to look on outward appearances. Instead, we need to focus on the heart, the inside, the soul of an individual. And there are people out there, many people, that we can reach if we'll simply do what the Lord said do. And reach out and try to seek and save the lost. But I think Jonah here was afraid that he might even be successful in the mission that God gave him. And I think also Jonah had a problem in that he was willing, because of his selfish desires, he was willing to jeopardize the other people that were in that ship. It seems like Jonah was not really concerned with what God wanted as much as he was concerned about what he wanted. And I think if we're not careful, that's our problem today. We don't maybe care as much about what the Lord would have us to do as much as what we want to do. But in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 4, you'll recall how that God sent the wind on the sea, the mighty tempest and Because of his disobedience and disregard for God's command, Jonah literally placed the lives of every person on that ship in jeopardy. And I think here's a great lesson that we need to learn today. The sins that we choose to be involved in, the decisions that we make in our lives, don't just affect us. They affect other people as well. You think about the sin of a husband or a wife or a father or mother. You know, those sins very often affect the life of that spouse or the life of those children. Many times, the sins that we choose to commit don't just affect our own immediate family. They affect the entire body of Christ. You see, Jonah's sin affected the safety of every individual. And folks, we need to realize that when I make a decision 
to do something. I can't say, well, this is my decision and my decision alone and I'll deal with whatever ramifications may come. That's not true. The decisions that you make in this life are going to have a profound effect on the lives of other people. But also I want to suggest that we can learn from Jonah that either he was afraid to admit his error, or he simply was afraid to call upon his God in repentance. Now in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 6, you know, those men begged Jonah to call upon his God, you know, so that they would not perish. But it seems that, you know, Jonah here tried to keep his identity as a prophet a secret. In fact, he tried to keep what he had done in running away from God a secret from other people. But, you know, he couldn't do that. Now I want to ask you a personal question. And I know you've probably heard it put this way before. If somehow you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you of that? I think that's something we need to consider. If you were placed on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Now, we need to learn from Jonah that no matter where we eventually go, our sins will become known. The Bible mentions this truth in Numbers 32 and verse 23. Be sure your sins will find you out. And that's a lesson we need to learn. We see that happening all around us, don't we? We see it happening in the political world. We see it happening in the sports world. We see it happening among friends and people uh, sometimes that we know. It's in the news all the time. News that almost shocks us. People invariably think that they're going to get away with something. And yet the Bible says our sins will find us out. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Galatians 6 and verse 7, Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. But quickly as we close today, I don't want to really talk about the story of the book itself, although I would love to be able to have the time to talk about Jonah's prayer and about his repentance and his preaching and how the book closes. I just want to point out some applications, brief applications, that we can take home from this part of God's Word. I think, first of all, that we need to learn from this part of God's Word that God is concerned about all people. God is concerned about every individual. That's why we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God so loved the world, John 3 and verse 16, that he gave his only begotten Son. We're not careful sometimes. We don't look beyond the doors of this church building to a world that's lost in sin. And I think we can also learn from this part of God's word that we can run away from God, but we cannot hide from God. One day God will bring every work into judgment. And I think we can also learn from this part of God's word that God means exactly what he says. He means everything that he says. And we can learn from this part of God's word that that when God gives a command, 
that God knows what's best. We may not know what's best. We oftentimes don't know what is best for even ourselves, but God knows. We also need to learn from this part of God's word that one day we're going to reap what we sow. You know, Jonah found out the hard way that even in this life, many times we will reap what we sow when we disobey God. And we can learn from this part of God's word that we may just be surprised sometimes where God tells us to go. I still don't believe, by and large, that it's registered with us in the Lord's church today that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I am thankful that the growth rate in the Lord's church is picking up somewhat, but we need to realize that our mission today is to preach the good news of salvation to a lost and dying world. And that begins with me right where I am and you right where you are. We need to teach the good news to those who do not know it. And we also can learn from this part of God's word that he cares and loves all people. God is not willing that any should perish. And we also need to learn that that God holds all people accountable. Everyone is accountable for what they do. And just like Jonah, one day you and I will stand before God and give an account. And we can also learn here, I believe, that people are a lot more important than things. Apparently Jonah was a lot more concerned about some gourd than he was about 120,000 children in the city of Nineveh. And sometimes I wonder if we're not more concerned maybe about a scratch on our car or maybe some problem at home or at work than we are about the eternal destinies of those in this world. But I think a last lesson that we need to learn is that we must be on our guard. Because you see, even a prophet can fall away. It's possible for us to fall away from God. Now, I don't need to live in fear of that. The possibility of apostasy doesn't mean the probability of apostasy, but I do need to be aware. I do need to be alert. I need to be on guard for my enemy because the devil is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. I hope you'll think about these lessons that we can learn from the book of Jonah that I believe are are so helpful and beneficial for us today in 2013. Maybe today you, like Jonah, have tried to run away from God in the sense that maybe you've tried to run away from your responsibilities. Maybe you've not yet heeded the call of the gospel to become a New Testament Christian. And you're still lost in your sins. And today, if you're willing to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, all those sins can be washed away. When you believe in the Lord enough that you're willing to change your life and confess Him as God's Son, baptism will wash those sins away. We're singing this song of encouragement this morning. If you need to respond, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.